Welcome listeners. I'm Christy Herrera, President and CEO of Associated Builders and Contractors. Welcome to our members and to all listeners of our Constructive Conversations, the podcast for the Utah construction industry. Our aim is to provide our audience with a conduit of information sharing and to encourage the engagement of like-minded people here in our industry. ABC helps our members win work, deliver that work safely, ethically, and profitably through the philosophy that business should be free of undue and unreasonable laws, regulations, or outside influence, and to be free to succeed or fail on one's own merit. Our conversations explore people, politics, policy, economics, leadership, and any topic that helps us to develop the Utah construction industry. Before we get started with our guests today, I need to do a big shout out to thank our 2022 ABC Diamond sponsors, Cap Construction and Development, RNO Construction, Sink Constructors, Makers Line, Big D Construction, Coates Electric, Mountain States Fence, Mountain Land Supply, and Workers' Compensation Group. Thank you all very much for your support. As is tradition, our first podcast of the year is always with our chairman of the board, and this year I have the honor of introducing Mr. Mike Sobe. Mike, welcome, and thanks for being with us today. Thanks, Chris. Mike and Tiffany Sobe are owners of Sink Constructors Companies, which has since grown to include several construction-related businesses providing goods and service on construction projects throughout the Intermountain region. So, Mike, welcome. Thank you, Chris. You have a storied 30-year career in the industry beginning in the 80s. Is that correct? That is correct. You were a general contractor first, and then you developed the passion for landscaping, construction, and irrigation. And you have held various management positions in both national and international corporations on both the contracting and the distribution side of business. For inquiring minds like mine... Would you please expand on the national and and especially the international side of your career? What roles were you holding and what kind of work were you doing on the, especially the international side of things? Sure. So I worked for John Deere in the early 2000s on the distribution side of the business. John Deere had started a landscape supply business. Not many people know about that. It's since been spun off and sold, but I was an area manager for John Deere during those years. Is that where you started? Was that in the 80s? Nope, that was early 2000s. Okay. Yeah, so in the early 80s, I worked for a general contractor. That's where I got my start. I was really good at sweeping floors and picking up garbage, and that's where I got my first taste of the industry, and it grew into a a love and a passion. Your logo says, inspiring, building, creating. So talk to us about that culture and what drives you to want to build a culture like that for your employees. Yeah. So people go to work for two reasons. The first reason, and the reason that everybody's familiar with, is because we like a paycheck. But there's other types of income that people receive from going to work. And it can be called job satisfaction. It could also be called emotional income. But essentially, that's the culture that you build in the business is what provides that job satisfaction or emotional income. And there's no amount of money that can overcome a shortfall on job satisfaction or the emotional income. And likewise, there's no amount of emotional income that's going to pay a bill. you got to have a certain amount of money. So there's a balance there, and we strive to compensate our people adequately with money, but then we really focus on the culture part. Make sure it's a good place to work. Make sure that they have good leadership. Make sure that they have good training. All of these things that people come to work for. 
Is that part of a retention strategy, or is that just Mike and Tiffany doing what, what's the right thing to do? It's both. We make plenty of mistakes. Don't get me wrong. We fail all the time, but we're trying. And we want to inspire people. We want to build people. We want, we want to create opportunities. But that also ties into uh, the inspiring projects that we build and the things related to the work side of the business. So the tagline, inspiring, building, creating, sort of is all-encompassing, and it covers everything from culture to the actual product that we produce. How many employees? We're between 50 and 60. And you have a young leadership group. Fairly young, yeah. yeah. Uh, Some amazing people. Young is a relative term, but they are definitely amazing people. Yeah, good for you. Um, is, so let's move into the next section a little bit. Our listeners like to have a feel for who they're listening to. So I'm going to begin with a couple of questions um, that allow us to get our listeners to get to know you somewhat. So what's the last book you read and what was your takeaway? The last book I read from cover to cover was one that you gave me. I started another one since then, The Codebreakers. That's a little tougher read. I haven't got to the end. So Keep, keep going. Yeah, so... The title of the book that you gave me is Unleash Your Hero by Kevin Brown. And Kevin has an amazing story. Um, He has every reason in the world to justify not being a contributing member of society. And he shared his story of how he overcame that and how he went far beyond that to help other people overcome their challenges. I just found it to be really, really inspiring. And I've shared that book with a lot of other people since. So thank you. And Mike and I were, were lucky enough to see Kevin Brown at, at an ABC national meeting. And he was, he was truly amazing. I follow him on LinkedIn and yeah, he's, he's inspiring and we need that kind of stuff in this world today. So, and I know you bought several copies. I may have a few to share with my friends. How many? Uh, maybe a hundred or so. That speaks to Mike Sovey. So um, what magazines do you subscribe to? So I subscribe to, I like the local publications. I subscribe to the Enterprise Magazine, Utah Construction and Design. I think there's one called Building Salt Lake. And then I like some of the national publications that are for landscape and irrigation, which is kind of my personal focus. And when I travel, I've been known to purchase a copy of the Wall Street Journal or The Economist. I can't take those on a day-to-day basis, but it's a real treat from time to time. I'm an economics major, and that's kind of where my passion lies behind all of these other things that people might see. There's an economist behind that. Which is why your mind is always working. Okay, so next question. If money wasn't an object, what would you do with your time? I would work. That doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, I really enjoy what I do. And I think the purpose of the work would change because right now I go to work because I have to. There's a lot of families that are depending on me and I can't let certain things slip. But if none of that was an issue, assuming money was no issue, I'd still go to work and I'd go to just build people and help promote the industry and help other people find their place. Very nice. Can I read something? You bet. I got to look it up to read it first. Okay. Okay. So when you ask me, what do I read? Uh, I often read business information or business articles online. And in, in one of these, I read this and I'd like to share it. It says in nearly any field, a lot of work isn't exactly synonymous with a lot of fun, but in entrepreneurship, 
Hard work is fun work. And to be successful, you need to have fun doing hard things. Now, that's why I answered that question the way I did. What would I do? I'd work because it's very satisfying. The purpose of the work would change slightly, but I'd still do the same thing. And you would still have fun at it. Absolutely. Nice. What's the value of social media, Mike? And, and I'm talking about in terms of platforms like personal usage, like Facebook and Twitter and, and YouTube. Is there an upside to this? And what's the downside? So I don't engage in any social media. My personal philosophy is that I'd rather have a face-to-face conversation with a person. If I can't have a face-to-face, then I'd pick up the phone. If I can't pick up the phone, I'm probably going to write an email. If I can't write an email, then I'll go to text. And that's about where it ends for me. But it starts with face-to-face and a phone call. And I know that's old-fashioned, but that's my style. We prefer to call it traditionalist. Yes. (laughs) Okay, next question. What's one crazy but truthful thing about you? Well, I like cars, and I have a lot of cars, and some of them aren't in the greatest condition, but one day they will be. And so, yeah, that's a crazy but truthful thing. I have an addiction to cars. Um, You also average 375 plus in Scrabble. Something like that. We do like to play Scrabble at our house. And you prefer meat over desserts. Absolutely. What are you curious about right now? So we are going through the greatest economic case study of all time in the history of the world right now, and it is absolutely fascinating. And I'm curious to see how this is going to end. I have some inclinations based on my education and based on my observations. I really want to see how this goes, but it is absolutely fascinating. Would you care to share those inclinations with us? Well, things just like what the Federal Reserve is doing with interest rates and what kind of impact that's going to have on the economy and how inflation is going to play out the next few years. We've seen it really ramp up in the last several months to a year. Uh, There's just a whole slew of things that we haven't seen before, a lot of disruptions to the way that we've operated and gotten comfortable. And I'm really curious to see where we settle down or if it's just going to keep spinning in ways that surprise us. Spinning's a good word. With the Federal Reserve looking, I mean, some experts are saying we could have anywhere from three to seven interest rate hikes just this year alone. Mm -hmm. Does that affect access to capital for construction projects? I don't think it affects access. It might affect the appetite for it. I think one of the biggest problems we have is the unemployment rate, especially here in Utah where it's so low and the labor pool is so slim. All of these things interact with each other and it's just hard to know when you push this button what that's gonna what result that's gonna give you over here and all these different things at play. It's just a big puzzle. But fascinating to you. Fascinating. What is your favorite thing about what you do? Yeah, I think for me, my favorite thing is the interaction I have with people. I get to meet and interact with a variety of people every day of the week. And my days look very different from day to day. I could be in the office one day. I could be in the field another day. I could be meeting with clients another day. I could be doing accounting another day. But the common thread is the people. I just love the people we work with. In regards to your career path and your tenure in the industry, what is the one biggest risk that you took within your career that had a positive outcome 
And the second part of that question is, what's the one biggest risk you took that resulted in a negative outcome, and what did you learn from it? So i got to think about those for a second. I'm a risk taker by nature. To me, it's a bigger risk to not take a step forward than it is to take a step forward on something that most people would consider risky. To me, doing nothing is the risk. That's the riskiest thing of all. With your background in economics, are your risks more calculated, do you think? Yes, yes. Um, They're typically tied to a monetary outcome in business. And yeah, they don't always work out. But what I've learned is if you run through a worst-case scenario, at the end of that, what do you see? Do you still have your family? Do you still have your health? Everything else can crash and burn, but those are kind of what's left. And so I like to play out worst case scenarios when I'm considering considering anything. And hopefully we don't get that far down the line that those are the last two remaining things. But really, I think in any situation, if you play out a worst case scenario, you'll realize, well, that's not so bad. Especially if you've already had a worst case scenario play out and you've bounced back from that, you go, you know what, I can do this. And I think failing builds a lot of confidence And that's where I say that not taking the risk is probably riskier than taking the risk because you don't learn if you don't take a risk and you don't, you don't fail if you don't try things. And how do you learn if you don't make mistakes? And it helps to put everything in perspective. Like you said, what's the worst possible outcome? Yeah. What's your superpower? My superpower is optimism and it has done very well for me. Some people can't understand it but it's worked for me. I think that's the first answer to that question. I've never had another question about optimism. That's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good superpower to have. Okay, hopefully those questions help our listeners get a feel for who Mike is, and we're going to move into some industry discussion topics right now. So Mike, you and I have talked about, um, we know through member surveys that ABC has taken, and we have some data and some stats to, to back this up. Some of those stats tell us that the longer a member stays is when they have more than four friends within an association and the more friends they make within an association of any group the longer they'll stay and and they become more committed and engaged to that environment so in this environment of zoom and hybrid meetings and social media interactions do you see this modern form of communication as a detriment to building a membership based on personal interactions are people interested anymore in face-to-face interaction? And I want, if you would please talk about what your crusade this year as chairman is going to be, which is forging friendships. Um, why is that an important topic for you? And, and how do you want ABC to engage in that? So I think the social media aspect is important. Um, but it's not a, that's not the end goal. I think that a social media presence and engagement there on an individual level is good. But if we don't take that the next step and then create a meaningful relationship with an actual human being on the other end with some face-to-face interactions, then we've wasted that opportunity that that social media creates. I think it's a tool or a means to an end, but the end is really building those individual friendships. And this year as the chairman, that's what I'd like to see happen is the members get to know each other on a more personal level so that we can have that long-term engagement in the association. 
and create that environment. And I know Mike has tasked our board of directors to help him accomplish that this year. So we are looking forward into seeing what comes out of that initiative, Mike. So thank you for bringing that to the table. As we transition from pandemic to endemic, what is the biggest change you are seeing in construction, if any? Yeah, so there's a couple of observations that I had initially when we first went into lockdown. I thought that I would see a slowdown in projects or some hesitation on the part of owners or people that are building the projects. It was an opposite thing that I observed. There was an even greater sense of urgency to get these projects done. We need them done sooner. We need more done. We need them done faster. And that really surprised me. I was optimistic also that we would have a shift of workers from other uh, market segments, such as uh, hospitality, for example. When the hotels shut down, there was a lot of workers that all of a sudden needed a new home. We took a lot of those people on, but they didn't stick. I think construction people are a unique breed, and that sort of made that very clear to me that we can't take and put square pegs into round holes, that construction people, we are, we are our own people and we're unique and we have a certain way of thinking and a certain way of doing things. And we need to develop that from within and we need to spend a lot of time and resources over the next several years and decades developing our construction workforce, which leads us into workforce development discussion probably. To come, yeah. Yeah. You know, I think the state of Utah would be interested in that feedback because as part of the, the pandemic, the economic recovery, part of the governor's plan was to reskill all these people that had been lost, laid off or lost jobs in, in service industries and move them into industries like construction. But it's interesting to hear what the result of that was, that it may not, it may have worked in some places, but in other industries, it just didn't work. Yeah, and I think it's not a quick transition. You can't teach somebody construction overnight. It is something that people develop these skills over periods of years, if not decades. Right. I tried to leave the construction industry once. Fail. I was right back. So you started in the industry and then you left. I thought, oh, the grass is greener. (laughs) No, (laughs) it is not. (laughs) I found myself right back here. Well, we're glad and thankful that you found yourself right back in here. I am glad. Now, one other thing I observed uh, in regards to the pandemic and something that's changed, we have gone to a more electronic payment receipt system. And I think there's a lot of those types of things that were already in place prior, but they gained a little traction. Because of the need. People were trying to limit unnecessary interactions. And so there's a lot more electronic transactions. I thought it would speed things up. It didn't. Construction is historically slow pay, and it still is. That was going to be my next question. Did it make us more efficient? More efficient, but it didn't speed it up any. Is that a shout-out to the general contractors out there? You know, I don't think the general contractors have any more ability to influence that than I do. It's a function of how the system is structured. It's, it needs to be overhauled. We, we are the slowest-paying industry out there, hands down. Why is that? Don't know. But it's, it's partly a function of just the process. There's so many steps when a subcontractor submits to the general contractor and the general contractor submits to the owner and the owner submits to the bank and then the bank has the inspectors go out and then it has to come all the way back down the chain. It just takes a long time. But certainly there's some opportunity for improvement there and I'd love to see some work on that. Always. 
Um, so let's transition into the workforce conversation. One of the biggest challenges currently that we all know in our industry is the labor shortage. So ideas on pathways forward. Yeah, I think there's several approaches. We first need to work with our pipeline that's coming from high schools. We've got to make it okay to not pursue a college education and make it uh, something that people want to do, to go into the trades, that is. It is a respectable way to go. People make a great living. There is absolutely no shame in the trades. And I wish I would have known that when I was younger. I I didn't even really know what the words trades meant. I didn't know what tech school meant. I was just always, well, I was familiar with college, and I thought that's just what you did. That's what your, I mean, your family were academics, right? Yeah. 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 And so there was no discussion at home, no, nothing wrong with that. And there was no discussion at school about other pathways to a career. I always just understood it to be college. I wished I'd have known something else. I may have pursued something else, but I ended up here anyway, so it's okay. So the second part of that is we need to work on the guest worker program. And this is a tricky one because the perception is that these H2A, H2B programs where we bring in guest workers for seasonal work, the perception is that this is immigration and it gets lumped in and bundled into the immigration discussion when it's not that. And I think our politicians are shying away from the workforce development discussion because of how it's perceived. It's perceived as an immigration discussion, which it is not. But that's another way to really help give construction and several other industries a boost. So if we could, if we could separate workforce development away from immigration, we yes. may get something done. Yes. But everybody's afraid of it. Kicking the can down the road. Yep. Um, and, the, and this question that I'm going to ask you now is probably reflective of the dialogue we've just been having, but what's the one common myth about our industry or our profession, your profession, that you would want to debunk? Yeah, and I, I kind of alluded to that. There's a stigma with the words blue collar, but amongst my peer group, I know a lot more millionaires that are blue collar millionaires than I do that are white collar. Where does that dialogue start? Right here. Junior high age? Yeah. I have the discussion with my kids all the time. Are any of them following footsteps? Uh, I, I, have a, I have five kids, and every one of them is so different. Uh, none of them's like me. There might be one or two that take the construction path, but every, everybody has such varied interests that I try to support them in whatever path they want to go. Please finish this sentence. As it pertains to our industry, with 2021 in our rearview mirror, we all have the opportunity in 2022 to come together. There is way too much divisiveness, way too much focus on either end of the spectrum. There's a lot of middle ground that's being missed. How and can we get back to that middle ground? I think it begins with individuals just having a desire to find the middle ground. And be willing to listen to somebody else's experience. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. We issued a post on our, on our social media site last week, ABC's LinkedIn and Facebook page, and it was introducing Mike as ABC's 2022 chairman of the board. And Mike, overnight, we had over 1,500 engagements, meaning people were not only looking at it, but they were responding to it, all positive. So this kind of makes you a social media influencer. 
in my book, whatever that means. But I don't know what that means. <laughs> so, Mike, to have that many people engage with you in a positive fashion, you're doing something right. People want to connect to Mike. This speaks a lot to who you are. What do you attribute that success to? So here's a quote I often use. I am acutely aware of the plight of the common man because I am one. I don't know if I took that from somebody or if it's just something that has become a part of me, but I am acutely aware of the plight of the common man because I am one. And I think remembering that on a daily basis helps me with my interactions with people. Is that empathy? Uh, Maybe, yeah. Because I've been in situations in the workplace where I haven't been treated well. And I felt that I was dealt with unfairly in certain circumstances. And I don't carry that with me as a negative thing now, but I use that as positive inspiration or positive motivation. As I encounter people in situations now, I think to myself, how can I make it right? What do I need to do so that I don't repeat that? And not a day goes by that I don't ask myself that question. I have an opportunity now to handle a situation differently than it may have been handled with me in the past. How am I going to do it? Is that, did you say it was a quote or you, you just heard that somewhere? Well, it's just something I say now. I, I don't know where it came from. If it just kind of developed over time or if I read it somewhere, I don't know. But that's how I operate. It's your mantra. Yep. What is your top strategy for success? Persistence. Persistence pays. You got to show up every day and you got to try. Without showing up and without trying, you're not going to make mistakes and you're not going to learn. And I make plenty of them. I'm a slow learner, but I try. What is a takeaway that you would like our listeners to take away from today's podcast? I'm glad you asked that because I thought about that prior to coming in. And my answer is that I would like our listeners to draw their own conclusion because we've covered a lot of ground and there's certain parts of the discussion that are going to speak to different people in different ways. So I'm going to let the audience draw their own conclusions. Ah, any other questions I didn't ask? When you asked me, what do I attribute my success to? I said, persistence pays. True. But I also owe my success to Tiffany. Because I cannot do what I do without her doing what she does. I would be absolutely nothing if I didn't have her supporting me on the other side. Nice. And I think that's an important uh, thing for, for all of us to remember that we are not an island There's a team behind us, whether it's a team at home with family or a team in the office. None of us can do what we do without the people around us doing what they do. So a shout out to Tiffany and a shout out to all of the people that surround me and support me. There you go. I'd also like to let our listeners know that under Mike's leadership group, which is the executive committee, you guys um, directed me to explore the idea of a women in construction forum to to recruit women into the industry to promote them to champion them to help them develop their skill sets and you'll be happy to know we had our first meeting today wonderful we had a lot of attendance a lot of new faces a lot of passion they're structuring on what they want their objective to be for the forum and what kind of activities they want to run Um, It was really, really exciting to be a part of that discussion. And we had both men and women here. And they're they're building out a really, really exciting agenda for the whole year. So that was under your leadership and under the executive committee's directive. So 
thank you for that because we're building that inspire, build, and create culture here within ABC under your leadership. Wonderful. So thank you for I'm that. I'm really happy to hear that. It was really exciting. So thanks, Mike. We are honored that you um, had some time to come in and share your insights. And thank you for your leadership and your commitment to ABC and the Utah, the entire Utah construction industry. So I like to tie a quote to each one of my guests, and this is what I see for you. And this is by John Quincy Adams. If your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, you are a leader. So that's the quote I tie to you. Thank you. Once again, we are proud to start our year out of constructive conversations with our 2022 chairman of the board, Mike Sobey. It has been such a delight, um, and I'm looking forward to this year and working with you, and I accept the challenge of stepping up my game to be able to keep up with you. So another thanks to our ABC Annual Diamond sponsors, Cap Construction and Development, R&O Construction, Sink Constructors Company, Makers Line, Big D Construction, Coates Electric, Mountain States Fence, Mountain Land Supply, and Workers' Compensation Group. Thank you to our listeners, and let us know what you want to talk about. You can find us on Constructive Conversations at anchor.fm ABC Utah or on your own PC or your podcast app on Apple, Google, or Spotify. Associated Builders and Contractors is a national construction trade association representing more than 21,000 member companies nationwide. And locally here in Utah, we represent 200 member companies. Please visit our website at abcutah.org for more information. And until next time, a call out to all of our construction workers. Be safe out there.